Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Notch. I'm Caleb. And I'm Colin. This week, your hosts come to blows over Adrian Heath. Your team comes to lose on a late penalty. And your show somehow stays under an hour. This past weekend, I was asked to go on to the Tyler Dunn soccer show out of Chicago. Fun experience talking a little bit about Minnesota United. And I got back actually into listening to some of my favorite podcasts, particularly the History of Egypt podcast with this New Zealand Kiwi archaeologist named Dominic Perry takes you through the history of ancient Egypt. Really great. But it got me thinking, what are your guys' favorite podcasts right now? I know you, Caleb, have been listening to a D&D podcast. Yeah, I have. Uh, it's called The Adventure Zone. And they just ended like the their characters' arcs. Um, over 69 episodes. <laughs> nice. Nice. For over like three God years. <laughs> over three years. And I'm not, I'm not pulling anyone's leg. At the end, I, I teared up because it was just a great, it's, it was a great story the entire way. And the way they wrapped it up was very nice. And I teared up and I'm a man and I can say that. I'm comfortable yeah, with my You're comfortable. Exactly. <laughs> but do you have anything else that you're listening to? Um, the dollop is fantastic. It's just a history podcast with a, Two comedians, one researches the topic and tells the story of whatever the topic is to his friend, who's also a comedian, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about every week. And it's mm. hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. That sounds really good. Um, I've definitely been a fanboy of all of the Crooked Media podcasts. Um, Love It or Leave It has been kind of my way to at least keep some gallows humor in my life. <laughs> um, besides that... I don't know. I've honestly, just with some of the concerts I'm going to right now, I'm much more focused on listening to bands that I haven't maybe mm. dove into their catalog in a while. So, so that's edged out some of the usual like comedy podcasts that I listen to. But I've been meaning to listen to 99% Invisible. They were actually at the West Wing Weekly live show that I was at, and I was really impressed. So I've been meaning to go and uh, check them out. One thing I did check out this past week, though, was Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance, except in audiobook form, and it's freaking Ooh. hilarious. He's totally meta, so he's basically insulting you as a quote-unquote reader for listening to his audiobook and being la- lazy and not getting the actual physical copy. Also made me like really depressed about romance in the modern world as someone who's single. Uh, something that two of you idiots don't have to deal with. Uh, so <laughs> I, I uh, saw Aziz at the Orpheum mm-hmm. two days before I graduated college. Nice. It's fantastic show. He is great. Gerard Carmichael Wonderful. opened up for him. It was a great, Ooh, great man. show. Great that show. sounds good. Yeah. The, 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 if, if you as our listeners haven't ever heard any Aziz's stand-up, go look for the routine where he gets a guy to, to go through his proposal and just listen to it. But anyway, with that, let's turn to soccer, y'all. And hey, guess what? Minnesota United finished its enforced bye week, the bye week that was pushed onto them because Atlanta rescheduled their game, and uh, headed back to Seattle to play the team that they had lost to 4-0. Things started out very auspiciously, uh, but before we talk about that game, we should go into the segment where we do talk about Minnesota United, a segment that we call Loon Monitoring. In the Loon Monitoring segment, we obviously talk about our loons. So, they went to Seattle... Things started out auspiciously. We were getting a lot of attacks. Uh, Ethan Finlay, our new acquisition, hometown boy, gets the opening <laughs> goal. Hometown cheesehead, I guess, would be his term. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, just give it I, to him. I drove past Marshfield this weekend, so. Right? I mean, yeah. we, we, we claimed 12 men. 
And he was only just born here before he moved to St. Louis. So, yeah, so fine. Finley yeah. qualifies. Okay, okay, fine, sure. But yeah, great move. Uh, first touch by him to DeBash Jovan Jones, who was basically a host at a, at a restaurant, and the goal was the Finley's table. Right this way. But also, a great pass by Ibsen to free up Finley in the space. Uh, Turned a knot and didn't go down, which is not Ibsen's signature move whatsoever. <laughs> But but let's talk about also I should before we get to that goal even we should we should probably have mentioned the lineup which we saw Nicholson starting at on the left Ibarra edged out again mm-hmm. you saw Calvo starting at left back with Boxel and Kalman at center back and then you had um, uh, Ethan Finley of course starting his first game at right back mm. and Molino as a ten and of course Ramirez injured so Dunlady is in, at striker. striker. Let's take a moment to talk about Kevin Molino because he was, again, at number 10, as I just mentioned. You guys have mentioned how Sheaf says Kevin Molino is not a number 10. I have joined that wagon. He does play that position for Trinidad and Tobago and gets a lot of goals. So how did he play yesterday as a number 10? Not well. Not not so good. Not so good. Uh, There was one point where his passing in the final third was something like 8 out of 20, which for the guy that's supposed to be your key distributor in that section of the field that's awful like there's no reason that he should have been playing in that position with Mm -hmm. how poorly he was doing which perhaps is why i actually didn't mind the sub that everybody else (laughs) said that adrian Heath should be fired for but we'll we'll talk about that let's, let's get let's get to that in a moment I think while we're talking about players and positions, you have to talk about Ibsen, who was an absolute rock in this game. Fantastic. Um, all over the pitch, um, offensively, defensively, distributing, coming back. And there's a couple times he did this where he just stepped between the Seattle player and the ball and like spun the player around yeah. and took the ball away. And the player was like, where did the ball go? And Ibsen's like mm-hmm. all the way up the pitch already. He was fantastic in this game. And... it. it it just felt like it was a waste because he didn't have anyone to finish his great passes or his finish his plays. You can't do it all. Really. Consistently throughout this game, yeah. Abu Danladi was running the ball up to the box and making some pretty f- sexy moves. And yeah. then his final touch was worthless. Just yeah, he, could not hit the he net. Couldn't, if he didn't have any bad luck, he wouldn't have had luck at all in that game. There was his first attempt on goal where he ducked around the row. Uh, Roman Torres was a a, a veteran move from yeah. the rookie, and he should have definitely finished. And he, you hope that he, with more playing time, he made those plays and were up three to one. Yeah, I, I don't but, think that that comes against a veteran side like Seattle, where you're just putting him, setting him up to have the same failure over and over and over again. He's not no. getting to learn any lessons, and a player that young and inexperienced isn't going to be able to train himself in that kind of situation. You got to put him up against USL sides. You got to give him maybe a super sub opportunity. Yeah. He is not and, our second, or I would say he's our third stringer at the moment. You cannot have him be our backup. Yeah, and the more and more he misses, the more his confidence is going to take a hit, and that's not going to be good for his playing yeah. at all because he's going to down on himself and not be able to store the easy chances. I mean, those two chances that he had were pretty good, but they're from tough angles. Now, look at, I mean, uh, on the other hand, look at Brent Common, who was not very good in 2015 for Minnesota United at center back in some of his appearances, and, and a lot of us said he needs more time starting. 
at this level. He got it in 2016, and now he is... No one can argue that he's an, not an MLS-level starting center back. He no, was amazing right. he yesterday. He was in the right place at the right time countless times. He took on yeah. Dempsey, he took on Morris, he took on the best, some of the best actors in MLS, and when he was defending them, they didn't score. Yeah, I mean, it, his positioning, I think, has been one of the one of the best parts of the mm-hmm. defense all year. As far as it means for somebody like Denladi that, you know, maybe he needs reps at that level. You know, some of it, too, though, is that you're not going to learn how defenders will play you at the lower level. You're still going to have to take knocks a bit when you come into MLS. Personally, I think that he does offer some skills that Minnesota needs at this level. I think his pace is really quite remarkable. I think his his willingness to take on difficult runs is commendable. His finishing is poor. So having him as a single striker does not make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. having him at least playing solid reps right now in MLS... I think that is probably best for his development. Maybe when Ramirez comes back, we play two up top. Ramirez as a tar- I would, target man, and Damadi as the guy that's behind as a yeah. poacher. Exactly. Now, one of the things that did happen, you know, going back to the defense, is Boxel fell over in the box on a set piece to let Chad Marshall in to receive a beautiful cross and equalize to Seattle. The game continued after that. With, I think Minnesota is still looking pretty potent in offense. They, they, I was very happy with the way this team was actually running the ball into the box. It was, it was exciting to see us take the challenge for a team that had steamrolled us 4-0. That, it, was, it was great to see us run up the pitch and with the ball, but that final pass was always missing. Right. And the, the final shot was always missing. And the extent to which it was missing allowed Seattle to basically say, look... We'll give you guys some of these runs. We'll actually control possession a bit more. You know, we're not that concerned about you guys on the counter. Sure, but here's the thing on, on that point, which is that at the, going into the 60th minute, I was expecting to see Brandon Allen come in. Don Laddie is not getting the job done. You need a guy who's going to take those opportunities, put the ball into the net. So you need someone Fresh on the pitch. At least. Ibarra, Jome, somebody who knows how to score, put him on the pitch and see if they'll do better than Don Laddie. Instead, what we get is we get Jermaine Taylor for Kevin Molino, which is a defensive-minded sub around the 70th minute. Then you get... I- Granted, Nicholson was completely gassed. We waited till he was com- entirely tired to put a bar on. And then again, you get Colin Warner, another defensive minded substitution. And we bunker down against the best, one of the best offenses in the league. We bunker down with one of the worst defenses in the league to try and get a draw and to get a point when points are worthless because we have a sub 1% chance of getting into the playoffs. So you're saying there's a chance. Not so enough. here's the thing. When Minnesota United are competitive in this stage of the season, maybe a year or two years down the line. I hope it's that soon. I hope so, too. That's the sort of move you actually do want them to make. You want them to say, you know what? Things are not working offensively. We have a chance to steal a point that, 
quite frankly, you know, by the 70th minute, I was surprised that Seattle hadn't made some sort of excellent scoring move. Get the point and get out of there. What's this point worth? Rather than playing excitingly, getting your fans happy, giving guys like Brandon Allen a chance to get out there and score a goal for us. And I mean, 55 won it called this. They said that we were going to win this game if we won it 4-3. We were not going to win it 1-0. There was no way our defense wasn't going to concede another goal. Because at some point, you need to actually see if you bolster the defense, if they can actually hold it. And honestly... How many games have we played so far? Hasn't that opportunity already come and gone? We can't. I haven't really... I don't recall games where they actually take off an attacking midfielder for a defender and go five at the back. It it was at least... Uh, Kansas City. When you were up to nothing against Kansas City. Right. Taylor came on for an attacker and made a goal line clearing safe. So um, it does happen. I don't think was, this is the right time. Early on when you're winning 2 nothing, just want the best team at the time in the Western Conference. That's the time to, to bunker down. But away on the road when we haven't seen an away win since Edmonton last year. Yeah. Go for the win. And are we... Serious question for you guys. Are we sure Brandon Allen exists? <laughs> I have expected like, some old lady to come on the training field and go, Brandon Allen, he died 30 years ago. And then, I, like, <laughs> I would not be surprised if that happened. <laughs> so so, so let me, let, to your point about two years online, I completely agree with you. Bunker, I'm not someone who's against parking the bus. I'm not someone against playing defensively. But there has to be some sort of end goal in play. There is no end. The only end goal here is to excite your fans, to give them something to cheer for. And a goal against us, another goal against a side that put four against us was good. Instead, what did we get? A completely demoralizing loss, which was entirely predictable. A lot of us called it. It This is what was going to happen. It was entirely predictable off of a fluke happening in the 94th minute. Seattle was knocking on our door repeatedly and they were doing that even before they bunkered down that's why they bunkered down and so it didn't work what you're saying is that they tried to do something it didn't work yeah we lost it didn't work and all of us were saying it was gonna it was not gonna work because this defense just wasn't gonna get the job done that's a tactical issue i i mean this is i think it's it's less a tactical issue and more a personnel issue because honestly heath obviously does not have faith in miguel ibarra to change a game he only brings him in when Sam Nicholson is completely gassed. Yeah. So you can't assume that move is going to be made. Besides him, who was on that bench that you legitimately thought could have changed the game? I don't I, know, because <laughs> I haven't seen Brandon Allen play since he's been here. And wh- speaking of which, why don't we have another striker that we feel confident about? Like, why don't we have the depth at the number 10? Because winners are everything, man. Right? Yeah. Like, because this team is not willing to actually bring in players in places of need. And that's my thing. I have no, I have lost my confidence in the, our coach now. Like, after this one, I'm done. Like, I was resisting the, the call. There was a lot of people, like, whispering on Twitter about how they weren't happy with Adrian Heath. Misanthropester is w- one person um, to look up. He wrote an article before this game. MNUFC, the loons, too little, too late, where he talks a little bit about this argument. I was resisting it, but after yesterday's performance, seeing us kind of try to 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 get this dull, shabby point for no reason at all, I'm done. Like I, 
I see no point anymore. Our transfer window was wasted. And now we're we're not playing to win. Uh, my question is this. How much is that on Heath and how much is that on Manny Lagos? How much is that on the front office? You know, if Heath is saying, this is what I need to get me this, and that's what the front office is actually executing on, then yeah, I will totally agree that we should put this on Adrian Heath and say, this is at least a damning piece in his portfolio. But until then, I'm going to say that a move like this is probably the best given the personnel that you have. And the personnel that we have are not good enough to beat Seattle away. Like, it's just not going to happen. I think we came pretty close to doing that yesterday. We came very close until we decided that attacking wasn't worth it. Even after that, there were still a couple of attacks, but it was obvious that, there w- that Dunlady was now tired and that there was no one to help him going forward. So, I mean, I, I, I reject the idea that we couldn't have got something. But the other thing, you know, to your point about the front office, I don't know how much Lagos is responsible. I don't know how much the front office is playing interference here. But w- one thing I did see was yesterday night, I saw a coach who decided to take the, the quieter way out. And then either way, we don't have a coach who can get the players he wants from the front office. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm... There's, there's a lot of things that are dysfunctional about Minnesota United. Yeah. I mean, it was. This it, is my shocked face. According to annou- the announcers last night, Heath said four two three one has worked for the most part of this season. So why tinker with it? Our record would say otherwise. Um, our next, uh, our next opponent is not doing well either. Uh, let's move on to the major listening service. Major listening service is a um, segment where we talk about the the major lead soccer you always usually do this I don't know what you usually say and we just go around <laughs> don't worry Caleb we you're open, doing yeoman's work we have in it. getting us away from the despair that is Minnesota United we don't care we have care. open houses with nice little crostinis with cheese on them and we talked about MLS for the major listing service uh, Chicago in crisis there we go that was I, better I think you can legitimately say so um, might be a little unfair because the, the, their their first home loss this year just which which Happened later in the week, came against Toronto, and this particular loss again came against a team, Montreal. They lost 3-0 against Montreal last Wednesday. It came against a team that was also finding some good form. But at this point, Chicago has, let me see, I wrote, I wrote this down a little bit later. Out of, since July 1st, they've got two wins, one draw, and Nemanja Nikolic hasn't scored in six games. So if there's anybody that Minnesota United can beat, it would be Chicago. I would say that they could beat DC right now, but um, I mean, if there's a team that they're going to get their mojo back, a dance is going to be us. So let's be yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome, Chicago fans. You're let's welcome. let's talk about Montreal versus Chicago. And uh, Ignacio Piatti chips the goalkeeper from close range to open the scoring for Montreal. Uh, from there, it just kind of kind of cascaded a bit. Yeah. Um, Lampson after getting chipped, a lot of penalty after tripping Montoso in the box, who then converted the the penalty and then Piatti with a kind of a looping weird curling of the shot that bounces underneath lamps and somehow three nothing easiest pie for uh Piatti and ring the bell they did over and over like and over being in church I have to I have expected someone to yell shame 
Shame. <laughs> Shame at Chicago. You you did uh, also see Chicago giving debuts to two players, including a homegrown. So you could make the argument that there were a couple of... Uh, there was a little bit of a rotation issue there. Portland scoring two against the Red Bulls. Nine new starters for the Red Bulls. Speaking of rotation, thanks to the midweek US Open Cup against FC Cincinnati. Uh, so not, not not entirely surprising that they lost this. No, uh, but... Good on Portland to capitalize. A lot of times when this happens, a lot of the rotation insides, they'll bunker down, go for the points. That's the brand's factor of the previous conversation. And then, but the superior team won't be able to capitalize. But uh, Deirdre Char with a in, with a perfect cross right to the foot of uh, Deirdre Valeri, who's out at home easily. Um, Portland had a man sent off in this game. Uh, clear up, denial of Dolstrin opportunity. Um, just be outside the box, which was correct. He was just in the outside of the box. Um, yeah, very close, but not quite in. Red Bulls hit the free kick wide. The guy sent off, Laris Mabiala. There was an amusing second goal for Portland as uh, Valerio's running to beat Robles to the box on an empty net. Instead of trying to chip Robles, he passes the ball to Maddox, who just takes the easy shot. Yeah, and Robles was up to provide an extra man on a set piece, and that failed. Yep. Montreal beat RSL 3-1, scoring six total goals between Wednesday and the weekend, Montreal. Who else? Ignacio Piatti. Again, he with a, another great, great assisted pass to goal. Um, just fantastic. Uh, Yael Plata equalized for Yael Salt Lake, but Piatti gets another because he's on fire. How yeah. annoying is the Mo- Montreal announcer who calls Piatti Nacho Nacho Man? Just don't do it, man. It's, it's you not don't good. want to be a nacho man. It's 1994. <laughs> they called. Stop doing that, please. <laughs> RSL equalized on Joao Plata, but Piatti got yet another goal. Um, one thing I do want to point out is also that uh, Anthony Jackson Hamill is a uh, is somebody to watch in Montreal. He got a start in this game because of the the two fixtures and some rotation. He's usually been a super sub, and he's second in goals for Montreal at the moment behind Piatti. He, he was the one who kind of tore it up with Portana in the Gold Cup, correct? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think he got some some tournament tournament award for that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, fantastic young for player Montreal and, and for the national team. Yeah. Orlando tied Columbus 1-1, and uh, Orlando had dominated this game, but uh, Zach Steffen made some huge saves uh, as well. Lalos Alexi Bakker gets his, uh, or sorry, Abu Bakker <laughs> gets his first career goal. Although his hair is starting to look like like a non-dyed red Alexi, like at his peak, though. It's, like, it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, the, the the issue for him, sadly, was that Lalas again got nutmeg later on the assist for the Orlando equalizer. Um, uh, he then subsequently got pantsed. Uh, his prom date flaked out on him. His mom told him that he was a disappointment, and then his brother gave him a swirly. Yeah. While he peed his pants. Exactly. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Bad day for uh, Lalas Abu I mean, Bakar. did the deal with the bad. I mean, he scored yeah. his first MLS goal. All that shit happened. Yeah. <laughs> There's totally an incident happened. in the 74th minute of this game as uh, Awful came in with an awful elbow on Yoshimar Yatun. Both end up on the ground writhing, <laughs> like basically like someone threw a grenade onto the pitch between the two of them. Yeah. Awful's holding his elbow because that's what hits uh, Yotan in the face. <laughs> oh, it hurts so bad. Really hard cheekbones. Really yeah. hard cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, um, VAR was then called in to figure out what exactly happened to lead both of them to be in pain. And then they realized, oh, yeah, um, when you smash 
your elbow into somebody's face, sometimes it's going to break. Just, yep. Just awful stuff there. Chicago again lost 3-1 to Toronto at home. First lot home loss of the year, as I said before, for Chicago. And Nicholas hasn't stored in a long time, but he did get a goal on clearance, so that's kind of close. I mean... Yeah, is he going to turn around and put it into his own net and like, yeah, I did. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, man. We did see that this week. We did see that <laughs> yeah. this week. So good on Nicholas. We'll do talk that. about it. Maybe, maybe that's going to be his call to fame. He now switches from being a striker to a center back and like successfully does it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of doorstop goals for um, Toronto's summer signing. Uh, Nicholas Hosler. I honestly did not know this guy existed and he scores two goals that were just kind of... Almost like poacher finishes as a utility play everywhere sort of guy. So on a team with Giovinto, Altador, Ricketts, hell, Justin Morrow, it's not fair. They have this guy too. <laughs> yeah, you you don't need just a, a random poacher. Like just spread the wealth, yeah. guys. We'll take him. Yeah, we'll, you know, yeah, send Gio this way. Yeah, we'll send Gio. <laughs> we'll take good care of Giovinco. One of the funnier goals that happened this week was in this game where, I, forget, I think it was Nicholas who shot the ball, I can't remember, but it basically gets to, who, who, who was it the post? It hit the ball right off the post and like bounced straight in, into uh, a Tom's knee and then into the net. Yeah. And it was yeah. Uh, Bastion who shot the initial goal. Right. Bastion Schweinsteiger shot the initial shot, hits the post, hits a Tom's knee, goes straight into the goal. Pretty funny. Uh, and then... Uh, who all stores but Giovinto for yep. Toronto to seal the game. Um, Pretty sure that's contractually right, yeah. In, yeah. in his contract. So it's in he, the script every yeah, game. exactly. And then obligatory Giovinto goal. And then at the end of the script, there's a little sign that says D. Garber. Okay. Uh, Sporting <laughs> Kansas City beat FC Dallas 2-0 at KC, which now means that KC, uh, Dallas this year have played three games in KC, including the U.S. Open Cup, and have been scoreless with two losses and a draw. I mean, it makes sense because Max Rudy had a goal disallowed because of VAR. Oh, wait. For once, that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) You had uh, Graham Zussi making a pretty big impact on this game. He had an amazing game. Um, Two assists, one um, from a corner, inch perfect perfect, to uh, Deirdre Rubin, who who pounds it away. And then near the end of the game, perfect ball to Jerso, who... Great curly finish to the far posts. No chance for for uh, Gonzalez on there. But credit to Gonzalez. He had some great saves in this game. Mm-hmm. FC Dallas's defense just is not doing well at the moment. Well, that and their offense just isn't connecting the same way that they were early in the season. Just so they can't paper over a lot of those cracks. SKC had their 100th consecutive sellout at their stadium, which... Uh, now dates back to April 7, 2012. Pretty impressive stuff for them. Columbus losing 1-0 to DC United. This was the first game for credit taker manager of Columbus, Steve Cook, after the departure of Pablo Mastroeni. Once again, you do not know the acronyms. Uh, that is actually Colorado instead of what Columbus. Did I say? Oh, no. I was totally like in my head. I was imagining Colorado. So that was just like a uh, Freudian slip or whatever. Yeah, no, Colorado. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, so speaking of those uh, remarkable own goals, um, Jared Watts, credit to him for the 40-yard finish, beating <laughs> Tim Howard. Um, oh, oh, I, I'm being told that he plays for Colorado. Uh, oh, that that's not good. Tried to pass the ball back to Tim Howard, places it just outside of Tim Howard's Just a bit range. outside. And Howard can't get there. 
He could have got there. I feel like he could have got there. He's just like, yeah, this guy needs his ego taken down a bit. If you thought this was a good enough pass, you shouldn't. Here's a, I got a riddle for you guys. If Tim Howard is stored on and there's no defense in sight, who does he yell at? <laughs> uh, Bill Hamid proving that he's not not Bill Hamid. He had some excellent <laughs> saves, even if the finishing that Colorado provided on those was uh, was poor for the most part. Vancouver beating Houston 2-1. Corey Rupkin reporting before this game that Eric Torres, Vincente Sanchez, and Ricardo Clark, three starters, not traveling to Vancouver due to planned squad rotation from the Dynamo having three games in eight days. Uh, mistake. Yeah, they, they definitely missed them. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. Both teams had a lot of chances. You tend to think that Houston could have finished those chances a bit better with those guys in the lineup. Um, it, Jordy Reyna went down the box maybe just a tiny bit easily. No, I don't think so. No, he yeah, yeah. ran into his back. <laughs> yeah. With an extra strong pelvic thrust. I mean, I'd, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was going down. Yeah. Personally, I've been at rock shows where I've gotten that sort of pelvic thrust into my back, and I I was standing up just fine. Well, you're a lot more uh, athletic and agile than uh, Reyna is. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. No. Listeners take note. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> All right, Montero scores the goal. Reyna, though, coming back with a monster goal, strikes from the near side of the box and curls it into the far corner. Taladark never going to get to that ball. I needed a cigarette after watching that one. <laughs> that, that was... Um, um, Robo Kyoto did uh, get at least a consolation goal in the second half. Uh, basically kicked it out of David Usad's coming in hands and mm-hmm. was able to just knock it past him. Coming to the home stretcher of MLS games this past week, San Jose tying the Union 2-2. Holy crap, the Philadelphia Union actually getting a few results in recent weeks. I, I'm, I think over the last few years, I was conditioned to kind of think that they were a terrible team, but they're okay now. Uh, not great, but they're, okay. They're not great, but um, it, solid work from Vaco as he uh, gets his second goal in his first start. Um, basically just a ground shot out of reach. San Jose going into the lead early, but then Philadelphia knocking in two with everyone's favorite fourth-round draft rookie, uh, getting a sloppy goal and set piece to equalize on the first one. Jack Elliott there. The one guy who hasn't scored recently, though, is Fafa Pico. I feel like he always gets a bunch of shots on goal, but never... He hasn't been able to really convert. He's been putting them away earlier in the season, but just kind of fell off lately. Yeah. So, yeah. Sanos are getting yeah. lucky and equalizing on a penalty in stoppage time Not on a... Getting lucky, I mean... Yeah. I, well, I mean, okay. Josh Yarrow didn't kick out that... Uh, those San Jose players' feet. Salinas. Yeah. That's um, true. This was, I mean, there's it was a, a difference. Clear foul. Yeah, there's a difference between, hey, they got lucky to have someone get kicked down the box, and wow, that was a really dumb play by Josh Yarrow. Yes, that it was. And uh, the the penalty allowed Chris Wondolowski to get within three goals of surpassing J- Jaime Moreno for the third place in the league's all-time goal scored list. New York sucks. <laughs> NYCFC beat New England 2-1. Uh, one of us, one of us, Teal Bumbery, scores his fifth goal in four games. Uh, Sean Johnson can't control the initial shot. It like, bounced up weirdly, and he kind of like... He parried it into Teal Bumbery. <laughs> yeah. like, well, not in the face, and it was yeah. to to I mean, it, foot. I feel bad for Sean Johnson just because that took like a bad infield hop against him, <laughs> and it, it bounced off his chest rather than into his hands. 
So, yeah, not bummer for him. Lucky for him, uh, he plays with David Villa. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what New York City can do with such little space in the box. I think they had so many passes that just went, just ping-ponged, I mean, pinballed around the box and just landed at David Villa's feet, like four yards in front of goal, and he's going to hit it from there. <laughs> with, with a guy like Villa on the pitch, you almost want to have someone like Yarrow on the pitch who just goes and like kicks people and concedes dumb goals so that Villa can have to like go back and be like, all right, David, too bad. Guess you got to go equalize and get the winner for us now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jelly Van Dam, in some non-match news, has completed his transfer from the LA Galaxy to Royal Antwerp. Um, apparently requested his transfer. Um, he'd been a bit homesick uh, and especially had a lot of issues being so far away from his family. Um, so they really did a lot of work to get him to move back into the Belgian league. Good on him. It, it seemed like it was just kind of one of those transfers that, you know, you don't want to see from a, a sporting perspective, but you do want to see when you realize that players are, you know, human beings. Yep. MLS also announced that they're adding a fourth substitute in the extra time of playoff games. Now, this the initial reaction for, I think, uh, all of Prorel Twitter was ah, huff, puff, puff, gah, ah, Mickey Mouse League, etc., etc. Until you realize that this is not at all something that's strange. This is something that you've seen in, I think, the football, FA Cup. the FA Cup, I think the Confederations Cup. Or yeah, Confed like Cup, Club think, World Cup, uh, the Euro. Yeah. Um, was that? This is, no, I mean, an entirely reasonable thing to do at the end of a very long season. Yeah. When you have extra time to, to, to make sure that you get some goals before the shootouts. Given that the IFAB is looking into actually instituting this as a permanent rule sometime in the next year or two. Yeah, it makes a complete sense that MLS is saying, hey, we'll be a trial run for this. Exactly. With that, we should take a quick break. We shall return with news from the rest of the U.S. Soccer Pyramid and much, much more. And welcome back to We Call It Soccer. I do have a question for you guys about the lower leagues before we jump into the segment where we talk about how many lower leagues games have you guys managed to watch this year? Um... Mm, it depends uh, on if you count the NWSL. I, I do. Okay. I, mean, I wouldn't say it's like lower leagues, but not MLS. Let me put it that way. Okay. Um, in that case, probably eight or nine. I think like split between like games I've watched like 30, 45 minutes of. I, I think one. I think I watched like the first San Francisco Delta's game on Twitter. Okay. Well, you had to. It was disruptive. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the only person to do that too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Only one viewer. Oh, that's me. Cool. <laughs> Hi, Danny. Didn't wait, though. Oh, I've, I've watched. I've watched a few randomly just because they're easy enough to to get to at times, and it's like, well, why not? I've tried to make a point to watch the lifetime game for NWSL when I'm mm -hmm. home. So. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, let's jump into the segment where we do talk about leagues other than the United States in a segment we call The Pyramid Scheme. First off, let's talk NASL news. The Cosmos tie Indy 11, 3-3. Yeah, remarkable game. Um, Gerardo Torado. Torado! Um, <laughs> opens with a brace in his first 15 minutes. His first goals in NASL. Wait a minute. Hasn't he been playing for us in life? 
like well in an ASL for like two years now a year and a half yeah yeah well uh about better time. late than never i guess <laughs> Jeez. I mean, he he doesn't score goals, so it's it's understandable that right he right. wouldn't. But score he's goals. a superstar. Look, okay. uh, let's look at the fall season table where Puerto Rico, shock of all shocks, is at the top with Miami FC tied on nine points with them in second place. Uh, Deltas have a game in hand and are three points back, um, along with North Carolina FC. Cosmos are in fifth place, but they've only played. Four games out of a possible five. Lead no longer lead on Jacksonville. Suddenly not doing so well. I wonder yeah, what see. happens, Jacksonville. That's what Minnesota United should have done. Is like Bill McGrath should just pretended to leave and let the league take over <laughs> for our final season. We'd have been like double champions, like soccer bowl winners. God, God. <laughs> all swept all the awards. Well, look, Ramirez had one thousand goals. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, moving on to USL, Sacramento Republic lost two one to Reno nine one one. I'm so glad you made that joke too. Um, so Dane Kelly neutralized. Um, the early goal for Sacramento with his 16th goal of the season that tops USL. Uh, if you have not seen it yet, uh, Chris Wien knocked a free kick directly on the underside of the bar. The goalkeeper would have gotten it if it was just a slightly not for those shot. meddling kids. I know that too, that too. Um, but uh, Reno is actually, you know, kind of on a upswing. They've made it into fourth place in the Western Conference, so good work for them. Much less good work, FC Cincinnati lately, losing their second consecutive game against a team named after an energy drink, losing four nil to Red Bull New York Two, who roasted them on Twitter. <laughs> by saying, by telling them that they had a USL PDL affiliate if they needed to lose it to a third team uh, named after the Red Bull. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. yeah. I mean, usually I I drink a Red Bull when I'm hungover, but um, this, this US Open Cup hangover for FC Cincinnati just is not ending. They went in having lost 5-0 against Louisville, now a 4-0 loss against New York 2 but like having where 30, does 000, it end? Where ha- does it end? Having thirty thousand people in the stadium has got to be worth a couple of goals, right? Um, they were <laughs> playing on the road, yeah. So they had like twenty. Red people. Bulls probably had five people there. Let's be like totally honest. The grandmothers of their players, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sky Blue FC beat Seattle Rain five four in the NWSL. So Seattle on the road had a three nil lead at halftime until Sam Kerr scored four goals in the second half. It's the first time anyone has scored four in an NWSL game, including the game winner in the 95th minute after she missed a penalty. Wow. Sam Kerr, yourself. Yeah. Sam Kerr has easily been the best player in NWSL this year. Mm-hmm. And that's with Marta really starting to play well. Alex Morgan's come into her own as well for Lando. Sam Kerr has just been absolutely on fire. She's one yeah. goal away from the league record goals scored for the year. Wow, that's awesome. The Rain are sitting in fifth place uh, for for uh, the the in, in the NWSL table. On top of which, you got the Orlando Pride, who are doing pretty well in recent weeks. You've got Chicago Red Stars in third, Thorns in second, and North Carolina Cards still five points clear at the top. Defense wins championships. North Carolina has been easily the best defensive outfit in the league. Yep. 
Let's move on to a segment we call the sewer where we talk about Ninja Turtles who live in the sewer, the national teams of the United States. Our U15 boys national team placed second in the CONCACAF U15 championship. I know that we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for some of this USM. The bottom of the sewer, would you say? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. The, Ew. The, the sludge <laughs> at the bottom. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, in the group stage, they beat Canada, Trinidad and Tobago, and Costa Rica by a combined 12-1. to 1. They then beat Panama in the semifinals 3-0 before they lost to Mexico 2-0. Womp. Yeesh. Womp. Um, if you really do want to start projecting your hopes and dreams onto... <laughs> High school sophomores hype, at hype, that. Hype, 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 um, hype, hype. Giovanni Reyna of New York City FC, the son of Claudio Reyna, um, is probably the biggest name out of this group. You've also got Alfonso Acampo Chavez, who made the move up from the Sounders Academy into the USL team as a 15-year-old. Wow. Yeah. Um, and there's also Shattuck St. Mary's goalkeeper, JT Harms. One of my favorite high school names to say, Shattuck St. Mary's. All right, let, let's start talking about other segments because we only got about 20 minutes left in the show. Let's move on to a segment now that we call The Pub, where we talk about our coverage of English soccer, including the Premier League. And with, with this segment, what we customarily do is we actually board a plane. We fly to England. We go to a pub. I mean, I don't think you are it's listeners really understand. It's really expensive. Yeah. yeah. I'm in loads like, of debt. We, yeah, need, we need to start a Patreon for this. <laughs> yeah, I think Pay so. Pay for our, flight, our weekly flights to England. <laughs> so which pub are we going to this week, guys? We're going to the Shiny Scalp and Viking. Nice. I like that pub name. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 what, uh, first of all, I just want to point out, the Premier League has become far less exciting to me now that Manchester United are doing well again. Like, what the hell? Not only are Manchester United doing well, with them, Jose Mourinho is doing well. This is really annoying, guys. Like, it it hurts. It it especially hurts for those of us who actually have a favorite Premier League team. Yes. I just have, you just have one of favorites. Yeah. Like, a couple of them. We have favorites, and... They're not doing as well as Manchester United. No, no, not so much. <laughs> so they beat Swansea 4 0. Uh, goals each for Eric Bailey, uh, Pogba, Lukaku, Anthony Martial. Basically, Just, all their young superstars. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <sighs> and they're going to sign Zlatan, apparently. That's the news. Yeah, they're, apparently, they're going to bring him back because, really, who else needs somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic? <laughs> Yeah, nobody. Miss Otterton, yeah. one. So Swansea should really maybe perhaps stop selling their best players, you think, in this transfer window? Um, well, more more importantly, how many years has it been that they've sold their best player on the team with two weeks left in the window? <laughs> this, I think, is probably the third or fourth year in a row. Probably, probably. Yeah. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson um, signed for Everton for a forty-five million pound transfer, which makes him the first, third, fourth, and tenth most expensive Icelandic player ever. Well, the only other Icelandic players are like policemen and grocery store owners. So, like, it makes um, sense. former Minnesota United target Adrian <laughs> Janssen, thank you very much. <laughs> What? Uh, speaking of Sigurdsson and Everton, they tied Manchester City 1-1 today. Rooney, Rooney! getting his 200th goal in the Premier League, joining Alan Shearer and the club of players who have done that. And a beautiful photo of him celebrating in front of the City crowd, which he tweeted saying, uh, hey, good, good to see you boys. Or like, what is it? Something like, it's... Um, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find this because it was actually a pretty good thing um, that he said. Yeah, he basically said, always nice to see a few familiar faces. And it's it's basically his back and a bunch of people in the Manchester City crowd. Some guy actually went back to another photo of him celebrating a goal in front of the Manchester City crowd in the United kit. And they found like a few of the same people. in the <laughs> like, Three of the same people that as in photographs. Awesome. It is pretty... Pretty amazing. Aside so, from Bance in that, uh, Kyle Walker got sent off for a controversial second yellow, and yet Man City still were well, probably the better attacking team in the second half. Morden Schneiderlin also got sent off for Everton with the second yellow. So Raheem Sterling getting the equalizer. So basically what happened here was the um, a former United player playing for Everton <laughs> scored against City, and a, and a former Liverpool player playing for City scored against Everton. He's still a snake. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's talk about Liverpool next. 1-0 to Crystal Palace this past weekend. Yeah, uh, kind of back and forth stuff. I didn't actually see the game. I was in a tattoo parlor. Hanging out with bikers. Humble and brag. numbers and dating Jerk. Um, but Sadio Mane uh, with the game winner. Uh, I wouldn't say deserved. Crystal Palace had their chances, but really... Their chances were wasted, and we had and Liverpool had the better chances. And Mane kind of poked one just past Hennessy, who had had a great game in this match. Um, just if I think Zeller said it said, if you need fantasy uh, football advice, just start whatever goalkeeper is playing Liverpool because he'll have some amazing saves. Um, Andrew Robertson, uh, her team of the week for EPL in his first uh, in his debut for Liverpool, uh, left back we signed from Hull. So I just saw a tweet where um, Paul Ryan was asked what he does, what he says to his kids in, if they ask about Trump or if Trump being on the TV. And Paul Ryan says he tells his kids to turn off the TV and get off the internet. Uh, coincidentally, also the advice given to Arsenal fans after this past weekend. Jesus <laughs> mother. <laughs> after they lost 1-0 to Stoke at Stoke. <laughs> And here I thought after this Minnesota United segment, we were all good together. <laughs> you throw <laughs> that out there. Um, so Arsene Wenger said in a press conference earlier this week that there would be no team that would go undefeated in the Premier League this season. Um he certainly understood the stakes of the game that he was about to face because he proceeded to have yet another just completely listless Arsenal performance against an organized Stoke team. How many years does this happen? How how many more <laughs> All times? Years. I'm enjoying no, this. No, not last year because we won 4-1 at the oh, Britannia. Yeah. That was awesome. That was not what happened in this game. Where literally, you know, Stoke are very good at just you know playing anti football and and being anti Antifa. <laughs> so that's that's not the Antifa that I support. So Stoke um, had had uh, more Champions League winners than any <laughs> other team in the EPL this year, so it was obvious that they were going to do quite well. And Jesse Rodriguez, new signing, yeah. Um, it, the only goal came minutes after halftime. Honestly, this was the sort of thing that I hoped that Minnesota United would do against Seattle, and it did not happen. 
Huddersfield, speaking of invincible teams, Huddersfield getting their second win into undefeated team in Premier League history. Up the Only undefeated team. Yep. Uh, uh, Aaron Moy is going to single-handedly keep this team up and possibly win the lead. Um, he, he, I watched most of this game and he reminded me a lot of Ibsen. If Ibsen could finish the ball, because you're all, like those people that compared Sammy to Doctor Manuel Nor, and I've said on many episodes how that annoyed the hell out of me. Aaron Moy was all over the pitch, just like Ibsen was during our game. He distributes well, he defends well, he doesn't fall over as much as Ibsen, but he did have he created his own shot, basically bouncing off the ball off one of his own players back and, to him and. Curled at far post for the win. Moy playing in England against with a, for an American coach. Ibsen playing in America for an English coach. So you know, yeah. And Lincoln was shot in a a Ford theater, and Kennedy was shot in a Ford. <laughs> that stupid <laughs> meme that is actually not true at all. All right, let's talk about Tottenham, who lost one to two against ha, Chelsea. Ha, ha, See, I was happy ha, for ha. you, but I actually hate Chelsea. Like they're another team that. Oh I yeah, hate, yeah, so. me too. Like so. Uh, oh. it, Typically, whenever Tottenham and Chelsea play, I just hope that the entire stadium falls into a sinkhole. Oh, so, like Dark Knight so, Rises? Yeah, basically. So, so, the, so the Wembley effect in full effect for Tottenham. They have been known to not win games there, and now they're going to play an entire season in the stadium. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Bad start. I would love to see them lose every single game at Wembley. Uh, their first home loss, quote-unquote, in the Premier League in 15 months. Um, Marcus Alonso with both goals for uh, for Chelsea. Tottenham's goal was actually a goal by uh, Bichuai from uh, from Chelsea. Chelsea. So yeah. Chelsea really just yeah. scoring some Chelsea great goals. Chelsea dominated the scoring. They did not dominate the possession. They only had thirty three percent of the ball in the game, and yet. Tottenham just were unable to score. <laughs> Let's move now into a segment we call They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do, though, where we talk about soccer from the rest of the world that we haven't talked about yet. First of all, Neymar Saint-Germain beat Toulouse 6-2 with uh, the first home game for Neymar Jr. It's good to see him getting off the Neymar in front of his home oh fans. God, get out. Leave. The door is right there. We're no longer upstairs. But, the door is pretty much closed. I don't have to throw I, you out of a window. But I have my, my segment in a little bit. That's true. I, I, I liked it. So there were some <laughs> phenomenal freaking goals by PSG in this game. It was... I mean, I... God. I, they're another team that I'm not, like, fond of just because of the way they, they succeeded. Which is just, I mean, they're like the city of Liga. But it's undeniable that they, they put on a good show for their fans. Real Madrid beat Barcelona 2-0 um, and won the Super Cup, the Spanish Super Cup, 5-1 on aggregate. Now, the, the things to mention here is after this game, the whole Barca universe, Twitterverse, socialverse, whatever, has gone absolutely off the bend. The Barca board and their president, Bartomeu, have now basically got Trump-ish approval ratings. And everyone's talking about how they suck. They've always sucked. God, we've hated them forever. Messi saying now he might not sign a contract. His representatives have met with Manchester City, which is like, oh, please no. Right. Uh, that would be insane. Um, and so Barcelona just as a club kind of coming off the rails. They, they told Liverpool, you have until Sunday to confirm this deal. And Liverpool like, oh, that's fine. No problem. Whatever. Peace out. Because the deal was like, 36 mil up front with like paid over f- some amount paid over five years plus most majority was if they won the Champions League and the La Liga and right. Coutinho had like 50 goals like go fuck yourself Barcelona yeah exactly you, Liverpool you kindly go fuck yourself you're not the ones in power you have no power here 
<laughs> and uh, so, so now big question marks about Barca's future. An interesting statistic about Real Madrid manager Zinedine Zidane, though. Yeah, um, Zinedine Zidane has seven losses as Real Madrid manager. He's won seven trophies as Real Madrid manager. That's also six more than the headbutts that he had. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, yeah. In, in all seriousness, I, I think I can credit the Zinedine Zidane headbutt as like the big moment that actually was like, oh, I need to watch this game a lot more. Like that was my moment getting me into soccer. Like I did not realize this game violence. could get so intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's briefly Damn talk you, about Zizou. let's briefly talk about Europa League news. Everton beating Hajduk split two 0 but uh, have to talk about this game for the wrong reasons because the game was briefly halted due to crowd violence in Split's away end, uh, where there were chairs and debris thrown at the Everton supporters end and onto the field as well. Yeah, um, really frightening scenes. Um, chairs around the field, it, various debris and coins and. All of that is thrown from um, Hajduk Split supporters. Uh, they basically started charging at Everton's fans after uh, the opening goal. Luckily, any crowd issues were quelled within a couple of minutes. Uh, but really frightening scenes. I think the the worst photo that I saw, honestly, was a Everton ball boy that was being kind of shielded by a a policeman steward just kind of looking scared out of his mind just remember that when you see european soccer fans criticizing american soccer fans chants or whatever that this is what they like that you know these these are the people who are criticizing what we have here uh we'll finish this segment on the news that dortmund beat wolfsburg 3-0 and literally messy christian pulisic coming out of that match a hero being made the bundesliga's first man of the match day yeah, um, excellent opener. It was in the perfect place to run onto a a good one-two ball between Aubameyang and Mario Goza. Just perfect, perfect move for him. Um, the bad news, not necessarily coming out of this game, but coming out of Wolfsburg, is that John Brooks, uh, the American defender that we hope to see a, a really great American v. American match, no, um, Brooks is going to be out three months following a uh, torn set of ligaments in his thigh. Oh, that's not good. Bad news for the U.S. men's national team. With that, let's move into a segment we call the Reynolds Wrap-Up, where Colin takes a soccer conspiracy theory that you know you've been thinking about and makes sense of it for you. So uh, we're going to dive a little bit more into Caleb's excellent adventure territory and talk about... Some crazy happenings that happened in the Romanian League this week. Um, Juventus Bucharesti had a penalty against um, FCSB, who are basically the Phoenix club of um, Stawa Bucharesti. Of course. Yes, naturally. Naturally them. Um, And the player took possibly the worst Panenka you've ever seen and just basically dribbled it straight into the opposing goalkeeper, then got into a fight with one of his fellow teammates, punched a wall, broke his hand, is going to be out for four to six weeks, and the coach subsequently resigned. Now, you would think to yourself, this is just kind of that weird backwater sort of happening, but 
if you dig in a little bit deeper, you'll realize that these are two clubs that have fought for relevancy ever since their foundings. Um, Juventus Bucharesti, who, by the way, totally stole the old Juventus crest, like before the rebrand crest. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Go check it out. Um, They were founded in 1992, taking some of the um, history of a, a prior team that really never had much of anything. Um, FCSB is the Phoenix club of um, Stawa Bucharesti, who had a, a really strong history and then kind of lost it to some financial troubles. And that's kind of been the story of the Romanian league over the last decade or so. I'm fairly certain that all of the drama that they did was simply to dr- drive up the headlines for them. And the reason I know this is because the coach of Juventus Bucharesti was also the coach of FCSB. There's no way that you would be able to actually coordinate everything that goes into a failed penalty and a ridiculous fight unless you have somebody left on the inside. I'm fairly certain that all they wanted to do was say, hey, there's a team called Juventus Bucharesti, and they use the same crest? They're trying to get all of that money from Juventus Italy fans hmm. buying their shirts because they miss that old crest, that old beauty of theirs. So really, all of this was just a failed publicity stunt. Ah. It, it's kind of like when Sammy and Jock let in that goal against Bournemouth, and all of a sudden... Everybody in England knew that Minnesota United existed. This is Juventus Bucharesti's attempt to get into the Italian market. So what you're saying to me is that there's soon going to be a Bucharesti Stars playing with the old Minnesota Stars kit that we get to buy for Um, the same reason. I'm thinking more that you're going to have like a guy with a really, really swollen hand trying to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before the next game, <laughs> and the video is going to go viral on YouTube. Okay. All right. Thanks, Colin. Uh, with that, we do have to come to an end, the end of our show. Why don't you guys tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter? I'm at Olson 716 Also, you can check out my match recap of uh, the Seattle game on 55-1. Uh, so special thanks to Tectonics for letting us use their song Lustless for our theme music. Uh, you can listen to their stuff on YouTube and Bandcamp. You can find me at The Attachments. I don't have shameless plugs for fine people that support our podcast. So um, thanks to the couple of people that follow me on Twitter as a result of it. Well, you can find me at TW United Fans, where you can hear my searing hot pancake hot takes on match day, which I do enjoy and stand by. Uh, you can also find this podcast on 55.1 and find podcast providers everywhere like Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, lots of others. And uh, with that, we, we, we do have to come to an end and we will see you next Tuesday. Goodbye, everybody. Feel-